Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Howdy diddly, Sneaker History listeners. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Sneaker History Podcast. Double R today, Rolls Royce. I'm Robbie. He's Rowett. And we're here to give you a little bit of a signature shoe preview. Rowett, how you doing, man? Doing great, Robbie. It's two of my favorite things that I love to talk about with one of my most favorite people to talk about things. So I'm in seventh heaven or third heaven in this case. You're also one of my favorite people to talk about things. We're going to go kind of light speed through this because as we started populating a list of signature shoes in the NBA season, potentially this year, there's a lot. So we're going to have to get to it. We're going to do a little rocking, maybe a little copping. Roe has been copping night and day. Um, I'll go ahead and start us off though. I've been, Stuck at home sick the past couple days. So I've been putting on random pairs of shoes that I that are dead stock and just wearing them around the house. Today's option was the Atlantic, not Atlantic blue, just the black and royal penny one. Um, newfound respect for how comfortable it is after wearing it for eight hours on the couch. Very good shoe. Say, very good shoe to blast aliens with. I thank you on behalf of the galaxies that you've saved, I'm sure, during these productive eight hour weeks. Man, a lot of Mass Effect. And then when it comes to Coppin, there's one I want and there's one I just ordered online impulsely. So the impulse buy was a pair of Puma suede because they're on sale for $45 with no shipping costs from Champs. Got a red pair of suede, classic, can't go wrong. And on the flip side, something I want to get is the new Converse Chuck A Cold Wall their collaborations with Converse are insane. I wear the black like military combat boots all the time. They've done tons of collabs with both Converse and Nike. Um, a cold wall stuff is very expensive. Um, so to get it from that Nike Converse price point is where I like to be. And that's it for me. I'm on a rhyming tip. I need to stop talking. Rowett, what have you been rocking and what are you copping? I think similarly, Robbie, I was a little bit more home this week, so I got to go into the vault, so to speak, and I was also inspired by our Discord, so I believe this theme Thursday, because we always have a theme around shoes we wear on Thursday, was your favorite pair of sneakers that is from a different country or had a different country of origin, and so I utilized the Kobe 10 HTMs, which I believe were a Milan exclusive, and my God, it's a beautiful shoe that's really aged gracefully, like fine wine from Italy, and then... In terms of a seam, uh, seamless transition and segue, what I just copped was LeBron 20. 
which I think is probably going to be the most interesting shoe to watch, not only because of the aesthetics and the performance, but some of the political machinations as well. Because as we'll go into, this is one of those NBA seasons that there's going to be a lot going on above the feet, below the feet, and even involving the feet. There's just a lot of footwork going on. Um, give us one more little a little 360 of those bronze. They look better in hand. Wow. I mean, seeing them not in a size 18 or 19, whatever LeBron is, makes them look a lot better. Your size 10 oh. looks much better. <laughs> it's definitely one of those shoes that I think the smaller you see in terms of its size, the better it looks. So I think this is going to be, in a way, LeBron's Kyrie shoe because I can see a lot of little kids going after the shoe because it's vibrant colors. It's a very simple design. And maybe for the little ones, they can put some sort of Velcro in. But if not, I think it's a breathtaking shoe in person. And I can't wait to see how different people style their apparel alongside it. I am very excited to see how that goes too. I am now much more interested in that shoe than even like the LeBron two retro. Not going to go into that rabbit hole, but expect to see a lot of players wearing LeBron retros. They're so relevant now again. Um, You know, we're going to go back and forth kind of like a draft, but no one's really picking too many sides here. Um, I'm going to meet your freakish athlete with, a literal freakish athlete, another one on this earth. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the freak four coming out this year. I'm a big fan of how they brought back the exaggerated reverse swoosh like it was available on the freak one. A lot of design elements from the freak one now back again on the freak four. And that's a good thing. I think personally, the three was a little too much going on. Um, Maybe the parts didn't quite fit right to make the best hole. But I think the freak four is bringing back um, kind of a more rounded shape than the freak one. Um, think like Kyrie one to a shoe you'll probably be talking about next. There's the evolution and stiffness in the rounded shapes as a line goes on. I see more of that with the freak four. It's just a very interesting shoe. The amount of like different textures they're going to keep putting on the, reverse big ass swoosh and the different prints they're going to use very interested to see uh, i like it i'm a fan of this freak four i mean the freaks do come out at night but luckily for us robin the pacific northwest it's currently 5 p.m one thing i will ask because i know speaking to the shoe we were just alluding to the lebron 20 and how much has been discussed about its foray into the low cut world would you consider the Giannis four low cut and if so i'm wondering why is that not getting the same acclaim that we're seeing the lebron 20 get man um maybe because Giannis's shoes have always been low tops and i definitely right. consider this like if three-fourths is what like a jordan four cut is this is like i don't know three-sevenths <laughs> of, a, of a mid top I don't know it's just it's definitely a low still Giannis is just never had the bulk and now he does kind of more bit like Dwight Howard up here but historically he's just he's taller than LeBron but he, he projects lightness I get if that makes sense more than LeBron yeah, there's does. a grace to his game that we just don't see with LeBron because I mean I think my favorite analogy to describe LeBron's game 
in a pop culture sense is he is the Batman tumbler from the Dark Knight trilogy come to life that yeah. he is rough and ready, but he's also got a deceptive amount of speed. But power is the name. Power is the game for the LeBron product lineup until the 20. So it is interesting to me that from an aesthetic and a physicality perspective, Giannis might be the closest thing we see to maybe a lean LeBron, but he has been riding that low cut wave for a little bit longer. And it's almost taken mm-hmm. for granted because I think that Giannis one was probably an underrated shoe, all things considered. So I'm really interested to see if the four signifies the future direction of the shoe, if they're going to dip back into the nostalgia, or if this is just going to be a bridge for that next technology that I'm sure is being specifically designed and developed for Giannis. I didn't buy a freak one, not because I didn't like it. I didn't get to a price point I wanted to spend at a time I wanted to spend it. So the low tops on the Greek four and the bronze 20, a much smaller player by just about a foot. Where's a mid-top? Tell me about the Kyrie 8. The Kyrie 8 to me is going to be a very fascinating piece because we've seen from, I would say, the Kyrie 4 on that there is a strict vision that Ben Natankame and that crew at Nike Basketball is adhering to when developing the Kyrie 8. Now, the thing is, Kyrie hasn't necessarily been the most collaborative person in terms of his belief system with that of the rest of us in the free world. And because of these controversial statements that he's associated with himself, whether you agree with it or not, you can see why Nike is kind of distancing themselves from any sort of marketing around it. But that being said, I think this Brooklyn Nets team is also, ironically, the greatest wildcard we have in the league right now. So it's very fitting that the Kyrie 8 and the Brooklyn Nets are this wildcard because anything is impossible. We could see the situation where both teams tank because of personality or personal reasons, but we could also see that team and that shoe channel that awkwardness, that frustration, that conflict into something more productive. And lo and behold, I think there is a distinct possibility that when you and I are having this chat next June, it could very much be the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA Finals. It could be very much under the backs of Kyrie and KD and their respective Nike signatures. But I am interested to see how they market this because I don't think we've seen a situation like this where we still have a player in a contract year, so to speak, from a sneaker perspective. Definitely. And just the language you brought up, what were you wearing a couple of days ago? The Kyrie 6? Uh, oh, the, the Tokyo. One. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's the other thing with the Kyrie 6. And I was wearing it similarly for that Discord reason we chatted about earlier, where we wanted to showcase shoes that were not available in our countries of origin. I was fortunate enough to hit on a pair of the Kyrie 6s from the Tokyo color. And correct me if I'm wrong, wrong, Robbie, there were 12 distinct colorways for 12 different cities as part mm-hmm, of that, like that rollout for the Kyrie 6. And for me, if I look at it from the history of the Kyrie 6, that was probably the first shoe that I don't want to say this, but we almost kind of took for granted because there was a lot of energy with the four. There's a lot of energy with the five. The six almost kind of took a backseat and maybe rightfully or wrongfully, we wouldn't say, but it's indicative once again of Kyrie the player because he's had this very big moment where say what you will about that Cleveland championship. It's not one unless Kyrie hits a shot. And that's why he will always have a certain spot in people's hearts because that's a big shot. That is a 50-year curse that a city has now watched evaporate. And it's truly changed the trajectory of not only that city, but every player that was a part of that team. For the better, in terms of LeBron James going to the Los Angeles Lakers and bringing a title home for you and your Laker nation for what feels like a long time. But then similarly, we've almost seen Kyrie go the opposite way where... He had a problematic stay in Boston. He's not having the best of time in New York slash Brooklyn. It is just going to be interesting to me because I can't think of a better example where the sneaker fits the player's personality on the court. 100%. And speaking of curses and shoes that fits the wearer's personality, 
the Charlotte Hornets are pretty cursed. They've been bad since Michael Jordan pretty much. Um, they've never really been great, but um, quite a spell of not being great, but a great young player who wears his personality in his footwear is one young LaMelo ball who with Puma shout out again, just to Puma clothing for being like the most comfortable clothing. I think this for a cotton t-shirt. It's crazy, but the LaMelo two is dropping. Um, it's just the MBO two, right? The MBO one is the, 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 the model name of the LaMelo one and two, but the first one came took my heart by storm. I still wear that shoe around the house. That was the choice actually two days ago for sick Robbie. I just wore the MBO one <laughs> and wore it around the house and had a very fun time looking at my feet. Um, the MBO two carries all that same energy. The tooling looks, it all looks like such a fuse between like what they're doing with J Cole and the midsole tooling and lamellifying the top. And maybe they're J Coleifying the top of the dreamer joints but I digress. I like the flames on the side. The one had like the big old firebird on the tongue. They kind of transition that over to the side and to the back heel. There's going to be insane colorways. There's going to be insane looks. He's going to have insane crossovers, pull-ups. He's going to do some crazy stuff this year that I'm very excited to see in this shoe. Um, yeah, really yeah, excited I mean, to see I think For me and Robbie, as you and I were chatting in the pregame, it was one of those things where I was trying to look at when we would inevitably say the W word, which is Wembanyama. So at 12 minutes and five seconds into this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and be the one to say it. I am slightly worried about the Charlotte Hornets this year, just because I think they've lost a key player in the offseason due to a legal issue that we won't recount here. But I'm interested to see how LaMelo handles that burden, because to me, the trajectory I've always kind of compared him to is Jason Williams for the reasons you just mentioned. He's got a crazy pull-up game. He has the sickest handles. He just has vision in terms of assist that nobody in the league now that Ricky Rubio and Lonzo Ball are kind of out in terms of always being a little bit more injury problematic. That being said, I don't know if he's got it in him to shoulder that load, but if there's a season to tank this year, this is this year because of the fact that we've got Victor Van Banyama, who seems to be the hybrid of Kareem Abdul-Javar with a little dash of uh, Kevin Durant's handle. And I will say this, this is probably the controversial opinion of the podcast, I would love to see Wembanyama go to a team where they don't groom him to be the primary ball handler. And in that regard, I think Charlotte would be the perfect location for him. And I'm wondering as well, when we see the actual season hit, how many teams that right now have those playoff aspirations are going to take a look in the mirror and realize we just don't have it this year. So why not tank? So the tanking year this year to me is probably going to be the most overwhelming subplot to watch because you have this transcendent once in a lifetime prospect the whole world is going to be gunning for him. Who eventually ends up with him is going to change the trajectory of that team for the next 15 years. I realize, though, your buddy Ben also designed the KD-15 and it's Kyrie's teammate. And we forgot to bring up the KD-15, which is also like for what it's worth. I love the LeBron 20, but I think the KD-15 is my favorite Nike basketball shoe of this season. Um, what are your thoughts on the KD-15? Meant to bring that one up a minute ago. Oh, no, no. Apologies. I didn't read the room, but I will try to read the room now and just say this. I am inherently in love with the KD line right now because they're taking so much inspiration from my favorite shoe, the Nike Air Jet Flight Max. So that being said, even if you just mention it as a throwaway line in the press release, I'm going to ride or die for it. And just the informal research, i.e. a trip to the company store just a couple hours ago, 
I would say that the KD was the shoe that was being most asked about by the consumers in there. So it certainly has a resonance with the people already. I am interested to see how this evolves because the KD 14 was probably one of my favorite KDs in a long time. And the 15 I've heard is a very good performance shoe. It just hasn't caught my eye aesthetically. So what about that oh. shoe makes you really like it, Robbie? Man, I'm about to say, uh, I was wondering what colorways they had at the ES because I mean, it's the midfoot kind of window exposure, but it's the side plastic TPU wave thing on it. I don't know. It's just, I like straps less and less as I get older with basketball shoes and this, the textiles and what I mean by textiles is like the kind of engineered mesh stuff they're using on like the upper mixed with that plastic mixed with the tongue mixed with the rubber. When you just like rub your hand through it kind of just felt right. It looks right. You can do so many things with the upgrade. I see kind of like a Jacquard, Jaguar, whatever that print is Jacquard. technically called. Yeah. Jacquard. Um, in the upper, they can plaster that in there. I just think it's a really sleek looking KD shoe. The 14 was great. Not really. I can't rock basketball shoes outside of like, you know, retro retros like you do. Like, I just, I don't like wearing them on my feet like that anymore. Historically, Robbie has loved wearing hyper dunks on the streets, but as I've, I just stopped liking it as much. And the KD 14 is a bit more bulky. This 15 looks like I can put a pair of sweats on and have it meet my, meet my personal needs of sweatpants wear. It's a great sweatpants shoe. Listen, I think. Sweatpant metrics are something we all need to start considering because we are about to hit that cold season wherever you are in the U.S. and hopefully in the world. And we have to swap out the shorts. Sorry, fellows that have been working out the calves and put on the sweatshirts and the sweat, uh, sweatpants. So this is that type of shoe. So now that you've kind of opened my eyes to it, I think I may have to reconsider my perspective on the shoe. And that being said, with the KD-15 taking inspiration from more unique stories because i think right now i really love what they're doing with the musical producers because that's kind of yeah. always been the hidden talent of kevin durant is his love and passion for music and now whenever i think of musicians specifically i feel producers are the glue that holds everything together so if this shoe results in a title for kd it's probably because it's going to hold up to the wear and tear of not only the regular season and the postseason and if it is the producer to KD's MC, I'm all for it. And it makes a hell of a lot of sense to give the shine to the men behind the boards, so to speak. I couldn't have asked for a better transition with you bringing up music because the next two players, one of them is in like the music capital, a music capital of the, of the U.S. And the other one is a floor maestro. They're both young Jordan brand athletes. They're both pretty darn good sweatpants shoes. They're both pretty darn good basketball shoes, too. Uh, I'm talking about the Zion 2 and the Luka 1. The Zion 2 is a fantastic sweatpants shoe. The four-foot strap, I will take a four-foot strap over an ankle strap at this current juncture in my life. So that Zion works for me in that sense. I personally like the shape of the Zion 1 a little more. I don't mind the design cues and what they're doing with the Zion 2. What? I'm trying to think about how to verbalize is that the toe box shape. When you look at the shoe down at your foot, you're wearing the shoe. You're looking down at it. It's really kind of bulbous. It's like a big ass oval and Zion probably needs stability. He's a big fast man jumping very high, but the shoe just has a weird bulk to it that I think the Luca one doesn't have. 
The Luca one is much more narrow and speedy looking. When you think about the type of players, it's kind of funny. As I bet you a million dollars, Zion smokes Luca in a foot race. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, baseline to baseline type thing. But the Luca just looks leaner and faster. Both weird adjectives for either one of those players. But yeah, this the the Luca one is just. I like it more than the Zion two. I like them both. But if I had to take one of them, I'm giving you the Zion two and taking the Luca one. You know what? I'll take that because I really love the Zion two voodoo colorway. I haven't seen that colorway yet from the Luca perspective that blows me away. And it's like, yes, this is a must cop for me. And I think as I get older, I come to realize that it's not necessarily about the silhouette of the shoe, but it's more the colorways for me. So in that case, thank you for what I consider to be a win in that regard. Your hey. choice of words, bulbous. It's kind of appropriate for Zion because he should not move as fast as he is given his size. And I think bulbous or thick or voluptuous or whatever favorite adjective you have whenever you're looking at your favorite Instagram model, that is the term to use for the Zion shoe because that is what he is. He is a whole lot of man. Mm -hmm. He is a whole lot of fast. And I would expect him to have a shoe that, lack of a better term, we would expect to be a little bit more synonymous with the LeBron line because that line was famous for being a little bit more performance bulky is how I would describe yeah. it. Now, that being well, said, the yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, that's one. this Zion really had great Jordan stuff, like Jordan, you know, 36 PE, you know, 35, not 36, but, you know, 34, 35 PE, stuff like that. I wish he could still do stuff like that and have a signature shoe. I wish he could like go back and forth a little bit more. If that makes sense. Yeah, I like that for a future episode topic, because why not? I mean, at the end of the day, there is a certain symmetry and alignment that as long as you're staying within the scope of the jump man or the swoosh, you should be able to alienate or not alienate. Maybe you're alienating some of the PLMs and designers when you make a bold proclamation of, Hey, this year I want a signature this year. I want a player edition, but mm -hmm. it's something we were kind of alluding to as well in the pregame is I'm really interested to see with all the marketing that LeBron's doing for the LeBron 20, how this shoe is the next, uh, the shoe for the next generation. Are we going to start seeing non-LeBron endorsers for LeBron product? Because it only makes sense. I think LeBron's maybe got five to six years left in him, and he has to think about his legacy and his empire past his playing. So interesting subplot mm -hmm. to watch. Quick thing on the Eventually, Luka. Mm -hmm. No, go ahead, Luca. No, I was just going to say, quick thing on the Luca. It's interesting to me that somebody that plays as slow as he does, because he's a very methodical player, he plays a lot of hardwood chess, he is using his eyes as much as his feet to direct traffic and take people out of the equation with his passing, with his movement, with his shot selection, that we got as sleek of a shoe. Because I would think you would also need to give him a little bit, lack of a better term, voluptuousness to his shoe, because he's also kind of a bulky dude. He's deceptively bulky. He's got a little bit of baby fat to him. And I'm interested to see is this the year that baby fat gets turned into grown man muscle. So It has in the offseason, it looks like. Luca has historically worn, before he was a jump man athlete, he wore Kobe's, man. He wore uh, Paul George's he ultimately is still a guard. So for um, as his body changes and he's still so young, man, people talk about both people as in us too, were included like the bodies of these young gentlemen. And like, they still literally have growing to do. They're like, they're grown men, but they're also not grow all the way grown men. Um, to your point though, the Luca really doesn't have the colorway 
punch behind it like the Zion 2 does, but it's just such a good looking sweatpants shoe. The white and neon neo turquoise looks great. The black pair with the blue looks great. Um, there's a white and navy pair I like, an all red pair. It all just works. Now, their boss, um, the person that LeBron James eventually needs to become from a footwear perspective, as in having the future generations wear his line, the Jordan 37. And let's just go ahead and throw this in there too. The Jordan 37 low, since we've seen so many of them already, um, are two shoes that I thought I did not like when I first saw. And the more I see them, I like, man. The sides of the Jordan 37 were supposed to replicate, you know, like the wing panels, the Hirachi like panels from 92. Okay, timeout. Did you know that we have an entire network of podcasts? That's right called the retrospect podcast network and it includes a number of shows that you might like if you're enjoying this one. First up is for the f1 fans exhaust notes is a formula one podcast that's the perfect balance for the new fans joining the sport and the tried and true diehard f1 fans who've been there all along new episodes of exhaust notes drop every tuesday on all of your favorite podcast platforms and at exhaustnotes.fm we've also got a show for the fitted hat collectors out there called crown and stitch as a baseball fan, I've been obsessed with hats for as long as I can remember, and the number of people collecting now has gone through the roof. It reminds me of sneakers back in the day, and I absolutely love seeing creativity of the new releases. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode of Crown & Stitch on all of your favorite podcast platforms and on YouTube at youtube.com slash Stitch. If you follow me personally on social platforms at Nick Engvall, you probably already know I first dipped my toes in the podcast game back in 2015 with a show called Outside the Box. Originally hosted by my friends Brandon Edler and Jacques Slade, it eventually evolved into a show with Tiffany Beers, Jacques Slade, and myself, and then into an interview series with some amazingly creative guests. While the show has gone through a lot of changes throughout the years, and it's currently on hiatus, a lot of people have been enjoying past episodes recently, and I'm excited to say I have new episodes in the works for the new year. We'll be adding new podcasts to the Retrospect Network in the coming months as well. In fact, if you'd like to advertise on any of the shows, be a guest on any of the shows, or even talk to us about getting your own podcast started, reach out to us at podcast at sneakerhistory.com. And find out more about the podcast network at retrospectpodcast.com. It's much more military grade looking now. It's like if you went from cute and fuzzy, you know, like a hair, a little Bugs Bunny Jordan 7 joke, um, to like Commando Robocop. It's like if Bugs Bunny met Robocop and they made a cartoon together. And I'm kind of here for it, man. Like, I really look for Jordan's the signature line to be that flagship pinnacle performance model. So I don't need a 37 or a 36, a 30 blank, any model really after the retro stuff to be sweatpants. I mean, these are also sweatpants ready, but they don't need to be jeans ready. They don't need to be tuxedo ready. The new Jordan stuff needs to be on court domination. Something Jason Tatum can go own people in. So to, if that's the assignment, I think the Jordan line every year has just been getting A pluses, crushing it. It's not the no, best. I mean, yeah, we can't say it's the best, like aesthetically looking shoe on earth, but like, God damn it, it looks ready for battle and people are going to do battle in it and it's going to perform great. And I'm all here for it. No, and I was just going to say to your point as well, Robbie, one of those reoccurring motifs in Jordan shoe design and Jordan shoe lore is the fighter jet. And I keep thinking with the 35, 36, 37, especially the low top versions, it's getting sleeker and sleeker. And I've never once thought of a performance shoe 
and not thought of the word sleek in a positive connotation. In fact, I can't think of a negative connotation when it comes to sleek, because when we're talking about shoes, a shoe can be sleek in its design, meaning it's very aerodynamic, which amplifies the performance please but then there's also a sleekness to it that there is an inherent cool to it i will say mm-hmm. this the 37 low to me is the culmination of the 35 36 in terms of it is a very cool looking shoe but i don't think it's ready for your grocery run unless your grocery run involves putting up a cool 37 at your local planet fitness who's to say but i am interested to see one other thing do you think we'll ever see a jordan product especially that signature line start off as a low because i think we're getting closer and closer to it i just don't know why we haven't seen them pull the trigger yeah um i don't think it ever will just because you can sell two versions of it if there's a high and a low top um that's just like so easy and i've been hesitant well not just hesitant i haven't bought any of the low top 30 plus jordans um number 30 and on because for the most part Let's use the 35 and let's use 35, 36, 34, 35, 36, for example. The high top and low tops fundamentally do not look that much different. You're cutting like a half inch off. You're changing some little things, but fundamentally and structurally, they look damn near the same. And I love my 34, 35, and 36s. I don't I didn't need to buy the low top. The 37 high or mid. And the 37 low look night and day difference, like an 11 and an 11 IE, Uh, not an 11 low, but the IE. It's just such a good switch up. And I think the 37 low is more like sweatpant ready than the 37 high. You're definitely going to go give Planet Fitness the work in the high. But the low top is like almost in the same vein as like the Jordan running stuff they've been doing. And I I like that. I like them both, man. I'm, it's not going to lie. It's the 37 I th- low is much more aesthetically pleasing than the mid top, but the mid top reminds me almost of even Carmelo's old stuff. Like I'm thinking even, uh, I'm maybe the M10. I'm doing a, a quick Google. Um, no, not the M10, but it's just Melo's had that bulkiness for a while. Um, but still while being performance. Oh, the M4. Uh, I see a lot of the M4, not a lot, but I see elements of the M4 and the Jordan 37 in the same vein, especially like the roundness of the midsole. We're going on a really bad tangent here. I'm going to get off of, but interesting shoes. Bring back the metal line. Come on. One last rug. Let's get one more shoe. Um, And let's go ahead and just pivot off to the complete opposite. Right. So I think we've exhausted all of our Jordan and Nike options. Lamelo has been covered. I don't want to do it, but we got to Kawhi, man. Kawhi two, the Leonard two. And I'm bringing him up next because when I see stuff like the Kawhi one and the Kawhi two, there's another one in there too. Isn't there a third Kawhi Leonard two? Is, it, is there called? a decimal involved? I feel like there's nothing Something. more Kawhi Leonard than a decimal. Dude, the Kawhi two is literally the Matthew Bonner special like the Matt Bonner special, like there's nothing in this shoe that drives me to want to try a new balance fastball shoe. I don't want to really look at it. And it double makes me think, bro, you left Jordan brand because your uncle was in your ear and you wanted more money. Like, and obviously they gave you a signature shoe too. So I don't know if Jordan was going to give that personality, particularly a signature. If he would have gone on, 
I don't know. Kawhi doesn't even play anymore. When's the last time you saw Kawhi Leonard play basketball? No jokes. He, when was the last time you saw Kawhi Leonard play been, basketball? I, I want to say it feels like it's been 18 months. Maybe it's been more than that. Maybe it's been less than that. But to your point, when you have, let's say, an introverted personality like Kawhi Leonard does, I think it would make a hell of a lot more sense to lean it on a company that shows its marketing brilliance the way Nike and Jordan brand has in the past. Going to New Balance, I get it. Boardman has to get paid. He probably got a lot more zeros on that check than if he would have stayed at Nike or Jordan. Ultimately, to me, Kawhi Leonard will be judged on what you said. He is a selective player in terms of he's a selective player in terms of where he wants to play and who he wants to lace up his shoes for. He has a history of winning, but then at the same time, he also represents this enigma of like, why are you this way? And I know that Jordan Brand has kind of cornered the market around the why not marketing, but it really should be Kawhi not because everything he does leads to the worst type of speculation, which is boring speculation. Like one of the secret joys about being an NBA fan is you can shoot the breeze or shoot the shit with your buddies and come up with outlandish statements and scenarios. And it never feels too outlandish because this is a league Mm -hmm. that is almost marketing itself as a soap opera, which it is. Kawhi is that cold splash of water to your face when you're like, this dude's just normal. And that's probably a compliment to him. But when we look to not necessarily worship or idolize these players, it's a sobering thought because he doesn't want to play the game in the traditional way. And I have to respect it for it. But yeah, I am going to be counting on my one hand the amount of times I've said, I would love to wear what Kawhi Leonard wears, or I would love to do what Kawhi Leonard does. In fact, I think probably his most telling endorsement is the alkaline water, because that is the perfect Kawhi Leonard product. It's essential. It's life sustaining. But my God, is it boring? I mean, I don't want this to sound like we. I don't personally care about Kawhi's personal how he is and how he's perceived and how he wants to be perceived and how he wants to act is totally his business and his prerogative. But if the shoes are going to be this bland and the marketing is just going to be, I'm a nice guy with a little smile. It's just not enough to like financially. It doesn't move units. It it just, it doesn't make sense to me. The one thing that does make sense is seeing him in the tunnel with like the fresh ass new balance, like, you know, jumpsuit, the clothing does look super clean. The Kawhi stuff, fire. But I would rather choose my words here. I'd rather be caught dead. I wouldn't be caught dead wearing those Jolly Rancher Kawhi ones or point fives or any of these Kawhi twos. Like the Kawhi two, the black and white one is maybe the most one I'd wear, and it's also the most like two K build a player shoe I've ever seen in my life that costs one hundred and sixty dollars. Robbie, we're a part of a sneaker community, right? The shameless plug for the Discord. If you like us, please join. It's free. It's fun. You'll have a great time. Within that Discord community, we have people that could be considered Jordan heads, Nike heads, Adidas heads, Puma heads, whatever your favorite brand is. There's some sort of representation in there. And I think there's upwards of, what, 500 members? Does that sound about right? Mm -hmm. That being said... I have not seen in the two-year existence of this Discord server any New Balance shoe in the basketball sense. I've not once seen a Kawhi Leonard performance shoe being on that Discord. I've never once said heard a poster say, yes, you know what? I would buy that shoe. It is so... It's, it's not even 
bad. Oh, I gotta stop. There's one guy. Roberto definitely has posted. Roberto is Alberto a basketball is a basketball Sorry, shoe Alberto. fanatic. He'll wear any basketball. He'll try because he wants to. He wants to feel every basketball shoe. He wants to like have an opinion on it, which is great. That try is great. Shoe, and maybe we need opinion. to bring him on for a Patreon episode because I would yes. love for him to wax poetic on this because it. It's not even a question of it's a bad looking shoe or it's so bland that I can't even remember he has a signature shoe and maybe that also deals with the fact that he hasn't been the most. Uh, visible on the court. We made one list for this episode and I had to revise it to double check myself and I forgot about Kawhi twice and I had to then put it on there the third time. Um, and I mean, okay, let, let's pivot to another player that is the complete opposite of Kawhi Leonard, but I feel like to the basketball collecting universe, nobody from a collecting standpoint really messes with this guy's shoes and he's still one of the greatest athletes of all time. Steph Curry, the Curry flow stuff, the Curry line. I actually took a little drive through the Curry website before this episode to see what kind of offerings there were. And I would normally punk the Curry line. Like, I don't like it. Uh, it's not for me. Say whatever you will about it. Uh, but the Curry 8 flow and the 9 flow that was debuted earlier this year, really great looking running shoes. I almost can't call them basketball shoes. I know 100% they are. But when I look at them, they look like running shoes. And on that same front, there's a Curry Flow running shoe. It's I'm trying to find it. I can't find the name of it. I think it's called a little Curry Flow runner. Has this it has this little logo on it and everything. They're really cool things. Yeah, Curry Flow Go Running. It's called the Unisex Curry Flow Go Running Shoe. Look up the Curry Flow Go Running and the Curry Flow 9. They're the exact same platform, not exact, but like they're they're running shoes. I would wear these Curry Nines with sweatpants happily. I wouldn't particularly want to pull up on a basketball court, um, not because they're anything bad. They're just not my style. But look at the Curry Flow Nine and the Curry Go Run Nine, and tell me that's not the same damn shoe. They look comfortable, but man. Not for no, me. I mean, Great stuff, though. He is probably my favorite player, and he's creeping in of all-time discussion. That being said, they are very similar shoes. I'm surprised they didn't do some sort of curry pack, oh. because I think I, we're no longer doing packs from a sneaker perspective, which sucks, because I always love a well-thought-out, executed pack. But well, it is really similar. Uh, go ahead, Thank Robbie. you for saying that, because thinking of packs, you'll love this analogy. You just brought up curry being put into like you know all-time conversations he's usually talked about or you know conversely with shaquille o'neal and they're both players where there's no way in hell i'm aware either one of them shoes and they're both like top 10 players of all time and two of the top 10 players i would not mess with those shoes oh no i mean we're gonna have to go through our top 10 players list and see how many of those players we would wear their product yeah going back to the topic at hand I almost thought that the Curry 9 was a breath of fresh air compared to some of the previous offerings. And it's a little bit of karmaic faith that he won a title when his shoe game was actually on point because that kind of led to that initial explosion where we realized this is not just a flash in the pan title winner. This is going to be a dynasty. Mm -hmm. And the thing I will say about Curry's marketing efforts, not only in running, but golf as well, he's clearly thinking beyond the hardwood, which I admire. I would wear the shoes, but... I would have to have some sort of mask on, maybe conceal my identity, be like a Lucha Libre type player where just like, who is that masked man wearing those kind of mid shoes? But 
it's working for him. It's hopefully going to work for the Warriors again because I do want to see him get one more title because then, in my mind, he gets vaulted into that Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan discussion of the best player of his era, and there's no real question around it. So it'll be interesting to see. I'd have to wear like a, a cuck mask, like a gimp full leather mask. I, that's exactly what I was expecting you to say. So thank you for shoe. But the yeah. Curry Flow, I will wear the hell out of the go running. There's like a, a black and purple. It's called black and grape. Curry Flow. That thing's fire. As a running shoe, I mess with that. Um, now, on to some other shoes I mess with. We're going to go all, uh, all Adidas here to write out the episode. Tons. You know, Adidas and Nike really both have very interesting rosters um, in terms of signature basketball players. The first one I'm going to start off with here. Definitely didn't think he'd be in Cleveland right now, but here he is, and he just had a new shoe. And I think the line as a whole has been a little mid, never bad. The Donovan Mitchell collaboration with Adidas, I think, has been successful. The one and two, I think, were the best. Now we're on three and four, and the four is a little stiff, but the Don issue four is out now. You can buy a pair from Adidas.com. This is not meant to be a direct ad for the shoe, but it's out now and it's shot by my homie Oscar, who has an episode releasing sometime soon on the Sneaker History Podcast. Come and check that out. But the Dawn 4, I think all basketball shoes are just getting kind of runny, runner-ish, right? The Curry 9 flow and this both kind of look like running shoes. I mean, I think it's also one of those things where, as we're going to talk about the Harden and the Dame as well, it's a small man's league now, and I think that's what makes the prospect of Wembanyama also more intriguing because for all his size, he's probably the most fluid big man we've seen in terms of his running and his handle and in terms of his shooting. So I am interested to see if we see another high top or a high cut for an Adidas shoe just because of the fact that they've been all in on this low revolution and they've got the players that embody that and i don't think they're going to be able to change anytime soon for better or for worse i don't think they're going to either and you know basketball involves a lot of running so small man game going up and down the court crossovers pulling up for threes you got to have a shoe that responds that way you, you want to have you see so many people in the gym like playing basketball and running shoes you're like what are you doing the principle is there though the cushioning principle is all just there you just gotta account for the lateral movements stabilization and movements you don't do when running in a straight line to that same no, point I mean, no. the next adidas shoe the tray two even more looks like a running shoe in my opinion but it overall looks better. And I think the Trey one was one of the better looking, not just signature shoes last year, but debut Adidas basketball shoes I've seen, I think ever. Right. I mean, the, the Trey one for me, uh, the kind of like smoothness and roundness to it spoke to me. And that like little polar bear, uh, with the, like icy, you know, ice tray collab. That was really cool. But the Trey two takes all that. And kind of flips it on its head and makes it even more round. The shoe looks like it's built into like two different pieces, almost like a front and a back, kind of like yep. two spiders. Call me, tell me if I'm completely off or if I sound crazy. But the trade 2.0 kind of looks like two kind of spider butts. What's it? The the abdomen and the thorax, something like that. I don't know. Spiders yeah, very well. Yeah, but yeah, like, it, 
it just looks so round and the three stripes is only on the bottom and it just looks oh there's three stripes going across the top too but in this black colorway i'm looking at they're kind of reflective and you can't see them but just the quickest looking shoe i think of the year and the most round and futuristic looking shoe of the year is the tray two I think out of all the Audi shoes I've seen this year, this might be my favorite. And there's something to be said about the three-strike placement on this because I've never seen that before. And it works. Like, it's one of those aha moments in my mind where I'm like, why didn't they do this sooner? And I do agree with you. There is a Frankenstein's monster approach to the shoe construction of this because the back half of the shoe looks a little bit different from the front half. But somehow it works. And I think that's a perfect analogy because... In spite of everything, I may not necessarily like how he plays the game, but that's just a me thing, not that of Sneaker History LLC. It works, and that's probably the ultimate compliment to play uh, Trey Young because he is an effective player. He's at times very unorthodox. He is, in a way, the spiritual successor James Harden in terms of I think he's going to be the most polarizing player of his era because of his skill set and how he plays the game. But this is a shoe that if I was sneaker agnostic, I would probably buy this shoe and this might be my shoe to run in, so to speak. I'm really fortunate you brought up the placement of the three stripes because when you look at it from two different angles, it looks like just the three stripes go completely around the shoe. The three stripes of the outsole match up with the forefoot and that's even a cooler look. I didn't think of that. Shout out to Jay, who designed the shoe, designed almost, I think, all these Adidas shoes, if not most of them, because he's that talented for Adidas. But uh, wow, Trey Young, too, killer. That brings us to a player you just brought up, his protege, if you will. I think uh, his, his me- mentor. He yeah, is the I manatee mean, to his mentor. Correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe you don't like them because they they they, they seem to try to game the game they're 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 trying to play money ball with basketball i think trey young and james harden and boy these harden volume sevens can ball and they are money i did not mean for that to be a connection but here we are i brought this up in a past episode it looks like a low rider interior just plush and round but you know that's full of i think what is it full of is it full of light strike or is it full of boost? Oh. I want to say boost, but I don't know. And maybe it's sacrilegious to compare across brands, but it almost always reminds me of the Jordan. I want to say, what was the one that they did the Kubo colorway with? Was it the 14? Like something about this shoe reminds me of the Jordan 14. It looks a lot plusher and how that purple makes it look like it's somehow sliced off the anatomy of the Grimace from the McDonald's uh, mythological <laughs> universe. But I like the shoe. I think this is the second shoe from Adidas that I'm like, man, I'm almost wishing I was sneaker agnostic because I would love to play in this because it looks plush. It looks comfortable. And as we see James Harden kind of evolve into the old man game portion of his career, this may be the best shoe to allow that to happen. And what's really silly in a positive way is, again, the placement of the three stripes, because I think Derek Rose pioneered it, putting like the stripes underneath the shoe to like because he's so fast. You're going to like be looking at the bottom of the shoe as it lifted off the ground going past you. The Harden Volume 7 and the Trey 2, they both have the Harden 7 coming through the back heel um, underfoot three stripes and but when you look at him i'm looking at stills um of you know cassie athena here i was like make sure i'm checking the right person um he's running down court and you can see 
the three stripes, like where it starts. And it's like such a highbrow game to play. Same reason why LeBron switching the spoosh backwards. I think he was the first person to do that. I don't know about ever Nike basketball. I mean, forever Nike, but definitely Nike basketball. He was the first to flip it. And it was supposed to be like, I'm already going past you. Like, that's why it's reverse. Like, you can't, you're not on the same plane as me. And this Harden and the Trey both do not have on the same plane as other players. I have to go back and look. Uh, Dawn, volume four. Where's that? Ah, it's on the top. But is there a three stripe on the outsole? I'm trying to find a photo of it. Won't I find didn't it fast remember enough. Remember seeing one, but it's on the back. So now nah, that's a dawn issue too. They have put it on the back kind of heel in the past. Um, speaking of in the past and on his heel, putting people on their heels. Um, Damian Lillard, man, we haven't seen him play an ab injury last year. Don't hear that a lot. But he was playing in the Dame 8. A lot of Adidas players, both in the collegiate and the pro levels, seem to gravitate towards the Dame's line. Um, if you're an Adidas fan or, you know, a signee in the NBA and you don't have your own signature shoe. Um, or even, you know, like Donovan Mitchell was wearing Dame's before he had his own shoe. Uh, the Dame 8, we've had it out for a while. I can't find any pictures of the Dame 9. And maybe it'll come very soon but the dawn eight was very dawn dame eight was very successful in my opinion no i think you're absolutely correct because it was the least we have seen the actual damian lillard play on the court because you had mentioned last year it felt like a lot of injuries kind of caught up with him and maybe he wasn't there and i think one of the more underrated aspects of lillard's game is he is a bit of an iron man and I think taking into account also that he was a part of the Olympic squad, he has not necessarily gotten that proper recovery that you would expect athletes to get in between seasons. But if you're not there in person, there's no better reminder of your legacy than to your point, Robbie, others are wearing your shoe. And I almost think that players in that Adidas universe using the Dame as their own launching point is a great thing because his shoe to me seems to be the most balanced. So it doesn't matter if you're a shorter point guard or a slightly bigger, more athletic wing. The Dame just fits whatever your skill set is. So I'm expecting the same from the nine. But to your point as well, this is a mystery shoe. I can't seem to find any sort of trace of what is going to happen with this shoe, what technology is in it, when is it going to come out. And maybe that's what they want us to think from an Adidas perspective, because the less you hear about it, the more you get intrigued by it. So I'm kind of interested to see what comes out of the Dame nine. Because this has been a very underrated shoe in terms of not only its performance, but also some of the mythology and the moments that have punctuated the Dame line success. You know, he keeps integrating his Dame persona into the shoes. And I think that's really cool, too. Um, he's one of the few, you know, what Master P and Shaq, Kobe, who's really wrapped Alan Iverson. I can't think of anybody Cedric else. Ballos. I mean, here's the thing. Just give me one more Pusha T collab because Pusha T has been in fine form targeting your favorite fast food restaurant the same way Dame targets your favorite superstar and just ends their career. Hi, Russ. Hi, Paul. Yeah, right. It's uh, He's got it like that. Dame just has the bravado and I think his line in recent years, once he earned, so he obviously earned his first signature shoe or he wouldn't have it. But um, as his career has gone on and you know, contended for MVPs and all-stars and all these great things. 
the the bravado of him, I think, have come through in the footwork. I think starting at like the Dame five or maybe even four. Um, let me check the four out again. I think the four, if it's what it was, yeah, the four was kind of like, you know, wretched. I like the four. I still like that bape pair. I didn't get a pair of. Anywho, uh, that's p- pretty much every basketball shoe from a signature athlete. I know we didn't get to cover Clay's or Gordon Hayward or any of the real Chinese brand that uh, whatever the hell Jimmy Butler is going to be wearing the way of Wade stuff. Um, but we're already pretty far into an episode and there's just so many shoes. So listeners and row it riddle me this. You're an NBA 2K. You just started a new build a player. You're offered one of these shoes to be rebranded as your shoe. What's the one of these shoes that you are going to be taking as your own? You know what, Robbie? I'll go off the beaten path. Give me the trade too. There's something about that shoe that's really intriguing that I think could be not only a great introductory shoe for a line, but also used as a foundational piece to explore it. Because if we are going to go down this running shoe mindset, I think that's got the best foundation for it. Mm -hmm. Special honorable mention to the James Harden shoe, as well as the LeBron 20, which I think is going to be the shoe that's going to be most prevalent in and around the league, whether it's the G League, the Foreign Overseas League, NCAA Basketball Leagues, that shoe is going to be ubiquitous this year. For me, I would have to go and I'll give an honorable mention like you. I'm going to go with the 37 low, the Jordan 37 low, because that thing looks like an Orca terminator that's a whale terminator and my honorary mention that lamella ball man i don't know what it is about him i'm not in the demographic for him but i like it like i don't know what it is i don't like pontiacs i don't like loud things really but i don't like loud people either and he's all of those things and i don't know what it is about the shoe though that i was like Damn, it works. It's like the same reason why Shaq was never quiet and people loved him. So maybe one day LaMelo will be an old man like Shaq is now and this uncle LaMelo instead of, you know, this young punk kid. Can you imagine seeing LaMelo ball in 30 years? I there this generation of NBA player, I'm really interested to see how they age because yeah. the LaMelo's of the world, the Anthony Edwards of the world, the John Morant's of the world they are going to be, in your terminology, really exciting uncles at the cookout because they are going to have a mindset that I would almost consider old school because they take no prisoners. They've got the dog in them, as the kids say, and they're revered for it. They're celebrated for it. They're not vilified. And I think that's a step in the right direction when it comes to hard-nosed competitive basketball and just in life in general. One of those two players, John Morant, will be getting a signature shoe this year, which I've seen and just can't talk about. And the second one, Anthony Edwards should be getting an Adidas signature shoe if he has another great year. I think if he solves out this season, he going to get a shoe. Um, let's end it there, though. Again, listeners, what would be the signature shoe of your choosing to start your line this year? Let us know in the comments. Let us know wherever you can. Go ahead and join the Discord, too. 500 members, great conversations. Be that person that brings the Kawhi conversation into the Discord, please. But on that note, I'm Robbie. He's Rowett. You can find us both at Sneaker History. Everybody have a great day. Thank you. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. 
If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.